Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading from a book entitled The Private Key to Heaven. It's by Thomas Brooks, who lived from 1608 to 1680. He was an English nonconformist preacher. We're talking about 11 words of counsel regarding private prayer. His seventh advice in counsel is this, be constant as well as fervent in closet prayer. Look that you hold on and hold out and that you persevere to the end in private prayer. Pray without ceasing. A man must always pray habitually, though not actually. He must have his heart in a praying disposition in all estates and conditions. Though closet prayer may have an intermission, yet it must never have a cessation. Jesus spoke a parable to them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint, Luke 18.1. Or as the Greek has it, not to shrink back as, as sluggards in work or cowards in war. Closet prayer is a fire like that on the altar that was never to go out day or night. Night and day praying exceedingly. Paul speaks like a man made up all of prayer, like a man that minded nothing so much as prayer, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. Calvin makes this difference between praying always in the beginning of this verse and praying with perseverance in the end of this verse. By praying always, saith he, he exhorts us to pray in prosperity as well as in adversity, and not to quit the duty of prayer in a prosperous estate because we are not driven to it by outward pressing necessities and miseries. And by praying with perseverance, he admonisheth us that we be not weary of the work, but continue instant and constant in its performance, though we have not presently what we pray for. And so that praying always is opposed to a neglect of the duty in its proper times and seasons. And praying with perseverance is opposed to a fainting in our spirits in respect of this or that particular suit or request that we put up to God. When God turns a deaf ear to our prayers, we must not fret nor faint. We must not be dismayed nor discouraged, but we must hold up and hold on in the duty of prayer with invincible patience, courage, and constancy, as the church did. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, Colossians 4.2. We must be constant and instant in closet prayer. We must wait upon it and lay all aside for it. He that is only in his closet by fits and starts will neither glorify God nor advantage his own soul. If we do not make a trade of closet prayer, we shall never make any earnings of closet prayer. Look, as they that get money by their iron mills do keep a continual fire in their iron mills, so they that will get any soul good by closet duties, they must keep close and constant to closet duties. The hypocrite is only constant in inconstancy. He is only in his closet by fits and starts. Now and then, when he's in a good mood, you shall find him step into his closet, but he never holds it. Will he always call upon God, Job 27.10, or as the Hebrew has it, will he in every time 
call upon God, when they are under the smarting rod or when they are upon the tormenting rack or when they are under grievous wants or when they are struck with panic fears, then you shall have them run to their closets as Joab ran to the horns of the altar when he was in danger of death. But they never persevere. They never hold out to the end. And therefore, in the end, they lose both their closet prayers and their souls together. It was a most profane and blasphemous speech of that atheistical wretch that told God that he was no common beggar and that he never troubled him before with prayer. And he, if he would but hear him that time, he would never trouble him again. Well, closet prayer is a hard work, and a man must tug hard at it and stick close to it, as Jacob did, if ever he intends to make any internal or eternal advantages by it. Daniel chose rather to run the hazard of his life than to give over praying to his God in his chamber. It is not he that begins in the spirit and ends in the flesh. It is not he that puts his hand to the plow and looks back. But he that perseveres to the end in prayer, that shall be saved and crowned. It is he that perseveres in well-doing that shall eat of the hidden manna, and that shall have the white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knows saving him that receiveth it. Those precious praying morning souls in Ezekiel 9, 4, and 6 that were marked to be preserved in Jerusalem were distinguished, uh, say some of the learned, <clears throat> last of all uh, the Hebrew letters, by the character Tau, to teach them that they must hold out and hold on to the end in well-doing. It is constancy in closet duty that crowns the Christian and commends the duty. But would God have his people to cast off their callings and to cast off all care of their relations and shut themselves up in their closets and there spend their whole time in secret prayer? Oh, no. Every duty must have its time and place. And as one friend must not shut out another, so one duty must not shut out another. The duties of my particular calling, as I am a man, must not shut out the duties of my general calling, as I am a Christian. And the duties of my general calling, as I am a Christian, must not shut out the duties of my particular calling as a man. But that you may be fully satisfied in this case, you must remember that a man may be said to be pray always, first, when his heart is always in a praying frame. Look, as a man may be truly said to give always, whose heart is always in a giving frame, and to Suffer always, whose heart is always in a suffering frame. It says, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. And to sin always, whose heart is always in a sinning frame. So a man may be as truly said to pray always, whose heart is always in a praying frame. Secondly, a man prays always when he takes hold on every fit season and opportunity for the pouring out of his soul before the Lord in his closet. To pray always is to pray in every opportunity, uh, but of this we spoke. It is observed by some of Proteus, the, the one of Greek mythology, the sea god who had the power of prophecy, but would assume different shapes, that he was wont to give uh, certain oracles, 
but it was hard to make him speak and deliver them. But he would turn himself into several shapes and forms, and yet if they would hold out and press him hard without fear into whatsoever form or shape he appeared, they were sure to have satisfactory oracles. So, if we continue constant in our closet wrestlings with God, if we hold on in private prayer, though God should appear to us in the form or shape of a judge, an enemy, a stranger, we shall certainly speed at last. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The philosopher being asked in his old age why he did not give over his practice and take his ease, answered, When a man is to run a race of forty furlongs, would you have him sit down at the nine and thirtieth and so lose the prize, the crown for which he ran? O sirs, if you hold not out to the end in closet prayer, you will certainly lose the heavenly prize, the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory. To continue in giving glory to God in this way of duty is as necessary and requisite as to begin to give glory to God in this way of duty. For though the beginning be more than half, yet the end is more than all. The finish crowns the work. The God of all perfection looks that our life's end should be his best glory, that our last works should be our best works, and that we should persevere in closet prayer to the end. Well, my eighth advice and counsel is this. In all your closet prayers, thirst and long after communion with God. In all your private retirements, take up nothing below fellowship with God, nothing below a sweet and spiritual enjoyment of God. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 27, 4. The temple of the Lord, without communion with the Lord of the temple, will not satisfy David's soul. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The heart, H-A-R-T, as Aristotle and others observe, is of all creatures most hot and dry of itself. But especially when it is chased and hunted, then it is extreme thirsty. The female is here meant, as the Greek article doth manifest. Now, in the females, the passions of thirst are stronger, as the naturalists observe. By this, David discovers what a vehement and inflamed thirst there was in his soul after communion with God. And as nothing could satisfy the hunted heart or deer but the water brooks, so nothing could satisfy his soul but the enjoyments of God. Then will I go unto the altar of God, and to God my exceeding joy. Psalm 43, 4. The altar of God is here put for the worship of God. Now, it is not barely the worship of God, but communion with God in his worship that was David's exceeding joy. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. 
to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. David's soul did not thirst after a crown, a kingdom, or any worldly greatness or glory, but after a choice and sweet enjoyment of God in his wilderness condition. Never did any woman with child long more after this or that than than David's soul did long to enjoy sensible communion with God in the midst of all his sorrows and sufferings. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. By the courts of the Lord we are to understand the ordinances. Now, these without communion with God would never have satisfied David's soul. I commend that speech of Bernard, I, I, I never come to thee, but by thee. I never come from thee, without thee. Whenever you go into your closets, press hard after real and sensible, meaning of the senses, communion with God, that so you may come out of your closets with some shines of God upon your spirits, as Moses came down from the mount with his face shining. Oh, do not take up in your closet prayers or or tears or joys or enlargements, but labor and long to enjoy that inward and close fellowship with God in your closets, as may leave such a choice and sweet savor of God both upon your hearts and lives, as others may be forced to say, Surely these have been with Jesus. It is sad when Christians return from their closets to their shops, their trades, their families, their commerce, without the least visible rays of divine glory upon them. Oh, sirs, closet prayer will be found to be but a dry, sapless, lifeless, heartless, comfortless thing if you do not enjoy communion with God in it. Communion with God is the very life, soul, and crown of all your closet duties. Therefore, press after it as for life. When you go into your closets, Let everything go that may hinder your fruition of Christ, and let everything be embraced that makes way for your enjoyment of Christ. Oh, let closet prayer be a golden bridge, a chariot to convey your souls over to God, and to bring you into a more intimate communion with God. Let no closet duty satisfy you or content you wherein you have not conversed with God as a child converseth with his father, or as a wife converseth with her husband, or as a friend converseth with his friend, even face to face. Nothing speaks out more unsoundness, falseness, and baseness of heart than this, when men make duty the end of duty. Prayer, the end of prayer, that when men can begin a duty and go on in a duty and close up a duty and bless and stroke themselves after a duty and yet never enjoy the least communion with God in the duty. Question, how shall a man know when he hath a real communion with God in a duty or no? Well, this is a very noble and necessary question, and accordingly it calls for a clear and satisfactory answer. And that answer we'll have to give next time. And he gives it a very serious answer, as you can imagine, from Mr. Brooks. Next time. Thomas Brooks, The Private Key to Heaven. Thank you so much for being here. And as always, I ask you to look around the site. 
We have thousands of audios, 3,000, hundreds and hundreds, featuring some of the church's great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea in English and used to be in Korean, Bible studies on a number of subjects and a blog. If you desire more fellowship, please consider buying one of my books at Amazon.com or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com and I'll share details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men and our Tuesday noon meeting for men and women. Thank you again for being with us. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. This audio is being released on the 30th of May, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.